again, we're just going to be talking about in generalities to start with. Mm -hmm. As we go through, and I may ask you, you know, to share some of your own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. You've been through a lot. Everything. So it would take multiple episodes, I think. (laughs) I'm going to try and compress it as much as I can. (laughs) But um, you can share as much as you want if you're feeling, you know, no needs to hear that. Mm -hmm. Because, again, I know a lot, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to press you on anything. That's your responsibility. Okay. Um, If you don't want to talk about certain things, we don't have to talk about that. Okay. But it's the the whole purpose of it is to share those experiences with other people Mm -hmm. to help them understand that, hey, everyone has struggles with mental health and just how differently other people approach it Mm -hmm. and handle it. The Five Elements of Letting Go, the podcast. Discussing mental health openly and freely, and learning tools and techniques to find peace. All right, welcome everyone to the Five Elements of Letting Go, the podcast. I'm here with my friend Star Madden. Um, just a little bit about her before we get started. Um, she is not only a professional photographer, some of her uh, One of her amazing photos is here in the clinic, hanging up on the wall. She's also uh, training as a life coach, so that's coming up soon. And if you're ever considering that down the road, she would be a fantastic person to talk to because she's been through a lot. So she's got some ideas to support and guide you. And uh, she's also a mother of six. Now, she... I. When I thought of uh, starting this podcast now, we're on, this is our sixth episode already. Wow. Um, I was pondering, like, who are some really cool people that have some amazing stories that I would like to share with others? And Star was one of the first that came up that I made a note on. And luckily, she was kind enough to come and join us. I'm honored to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And I start out the same way with everyone, um, because, again, I think we should all kind of have an understanding of how we feel about mental health. And how do you feel the current status of mental health is in the world and how we're approaching it? Um, I think kind of the way that I see it right now is there... I mean, and I could be totally wrong. This is my point of view. I feel like we're over-diagnosing a lot of people with anxiety and depression. Those are very real things, and people do struggle with it, of course. I've struggled with it. Um, And then there's a lot of people who are kind of slipping under the radar, a lot of people who are too afraid to open up and Mm -hmm. share their stories. So we're really lacking balance, I think. And yeah, we're just seeing that play out. And I mean, balance in general, like Mm -hmm. energetically, just people are kind of all over the place right now. And that's just... That's kind of how I feel about it. So how would you explain kind of like uh, those people being overdiagnosed that you're talking about? Um, I think that, you know, we're really quick to say, you know, I have anxiety. And I believe that there are people who do have debilitating anxiety. But, I mean, there are people who are experiencing anxiety and maybe they're not connecting with the people who are able to give them the tools to help cope with that anxiety. You know, um, you feel your feelings, but your feelings shouldn't be in control of you. Like, you need to learn the strategies on how to manage those feelings and move through them because it's a process. Mm -hmm. It's not a place of being. You don't stay in that. And you need to learn to embrace it. And the circumstances that come along in life that bring about those feelings, you know, they're they're coming to you to help you grow. 
You know, they're not coming to put something bad upon you. It's an opportunity for you to move to another level. That's how I've experienced, you know, my feelings of anxiety, mm-hmm. my feelings of depression. You know, I do have the great fortune, like I, I'm not clinical, like I haven't been medicated. I've never needed that. And while I understand that there are people who need that, I also understand there are a lot of people who face challenges like I have, who are just being medicated. You know, that pill-popping culture that we live in, it's not good for a lot of people. And a lot of people, they'll never learn those strategies because the taking that pill is their strategy. That's their coping mechanism. And I think that, you know, with the loss of community and connection, we don't have those campfires. We don't have those, you know, tribal gatherings of people sharing stories to help build one another up. And if we don't have contact with people who have had these experiences and who can help us through that, then it becomes a scary place. And a pill does seem like your best option. You don't want to grow. You see things as happening to you and not for you. And there's empowering language and disempowering language. And I just wish that everyone could have a chance to kind of move through a process before they're directed straight to medication. Mm -hmm. Because I think there are a lot of people who would you know, really value from the story sharing and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I read something just uh, today where they were saying the difference between anxiety and an anxiety disorder. Oh, is this from WSU? I can't remember, but what it stated was, you know, anxiety is just like anyone can feel anxiety. Anxiety is that just that apprehension about the future and what we're going to do. And anxiety disorder is when you obsess and can't figure out why you feel anxiety and it seems to control you mm-hmm. and you you know don't understand the root and what it's doing to your body and you can't let it go mm-hmm. it's like another stage mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people with just anxiety mm-hmm. are you know jumping at oh it's a disorder mm-hmm. i need this and that and rather than like you said uh trying other steps first mm-hmm. um you know one thing um there's a great book by um, uh, Keith. Oh, I can't remember his name right now. He's uh, he's actually a anthropologist, doctor of uh, he studied Qigong, mm-hmm. and but his wife is Native American, mm-hmm. um, and so he's been kind of adopted into their tribe. And he wrote this fantastic book about medicine in Native American. Mm-hmm. And again, it, with them, it's this. It's the dances, it's the stories, it's the that connection. And so when there's this imbalance, they look at that, you know, whether it's anxiety or depression, as something that, as a tribe, mm-hmm. they need to treat. Mm-hmm. It's not... It's a community obligation yeah. to help one another, to elevate that person. Yeah. Yeah. And how they, when they work together, whether it's through dance or song or, you know, because when they think of medicine, it's... You know, there's so many things. It's, it's plants, it's animals, it's water, it's nature yeah. primarily. Yeah. And, and, and talk community. and community and connection. Mm-hmm. And it's a much different approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's definitely a need, you know, for blending the two, you know, for there's just, it's not a one size fits all. It's a very individual experience. And, you know, you, you should be open to trying all these things, not just wandering down that very narrow corridor that keeps you taking medication and medicating your way through your life experiences Mm -hmm. try it all but how many people are told that and that's something i don't take for granted is that i've always had that spoken to me you know Mm -hmm. try this do this go here you know so i'm fortunate and i know that and i i would never 
preach that to anybody like it's just something that we all have because not everybody has family support or you know means of getting out into nature and doing these things that I've been able to do or been mm-hmm. raised in doing mm-hmm. so yeah it's just but I was reading that article about the study and they were talking about anxiety and they're talking about um, PTSD and ADHD and the um, that it's not necessarily a disorder like I think it's the same study that you're talking mm-hmm. about and they were saying um, a lot of ADHD, they're noticing a correlation, or they've noticed a correlation between um, children in schools and the lack of physical energy that they're dispensing through phys ed and, mm-hmm. and how this numbers keep going up for ADHD and the time that these kids are spending dispensing their energy is going down. So, yeah, there's I think there's a lot of things that we need to question because it's just we have kids who are being over-medicated. Mm-hmm. Well, really, I think it's a reaction of how sick our culture is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this <laughs> pill-popping society. Yeah, and it's we're telling people that, you know, oh, well, it's your f- problem, mm-hmm. your imbalance, your issue, mm-hmm. rather than looking at it as, no, our, the way we've created our culture and it set everything up, it's mm-hmm. the one that's sick. Mm-hmm. It's making us imbalanced mm-hmm. because of because we're living in a system that, you know, um, puts money before people, mm-hmm. that puts politics and power before people, that has removed, um, you know, a lot of, you know, of course, in, in many cultures, what we've done, yeah. <laughs> we've gone through and destroyed, you know, connection and heritage and culture in many cultures. Mm-hmm. And just said, well, no, you only get to do, the only acceptable one is the white man's culture Mm -hmm. that they have no connection or understanding to, whether it's black, whether it's, you know, what we did to the Japanese internment camps, the terrible things we did to the Native Americans, Mm -hmm. and so on and so on. And we just say, oh, no, it's your problem. Mm -hmm. You know, we tell all kids, this is the one path, and Mm -hmm. you'll have to act like this, and if you don't fit into it, well, that's your problem. Yeah. And it's horrible. And you, and you see it. You see these kids who are depressed. And you see these kids who are lacking that community and that contact with family. You know, as people are living further and further apart, you don't have that access to older relatives. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's that drive to get the most out of life. And, you know, I, I don't fault anyone. I continually say that. It's like, you know, people do what they think is best and what they're told is best. But it's really valuable to hit these points where, you lose all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you lose all that stuff and how, but how your parents experience, how you experience it. And I suffered through a lot of those experiences growing up. And then I knew how to apply, you know, that focus and that joy. And I just, I had amazing parents and I wish that everybody could have yeah, the upbringing that I did. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, it was so beneficial because I had that tight knit community. Mm-hmm. And, um, these kids are, there's so many kids out there who just don't, they'll never know what it's like to go camping with 20 cousins and have aunts and uncles everywhere and have dinners with your grandparents and hear the stories and know their stories, know what they went through and mm-hmm. know what they're still struggling with and being able to identify that in other people and identify it in yourself. You don't just come into that. You have to, you have to learn that mm-hmm. through being with other people. Yeah. And these kids are growing up in this very superficial world where, yeah, it's beauty you know, present this beautiful image of yourself, not learn about yourself and grow. It's, it's just, I, I, my heart breaks for mm-hmm. kids growing up in this world, yeah. seeing these things. On, on my other podcast with my son, mm-hmm. we have a podcast called Really Dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's 16, 16 tomorrow. Yeah. And so every week we sit down and we have a discussion. Mm-hmm. 
and we usually try to stick, you know, stick to a topic. But right. last week we were talking about, um, you know, about his generation and you know how they see the world today compared to where we were when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting, you know, most of us have that little thing and we were grade five or kindergarten or whatever, we, we wrote out what we wanted to be when we grow up, mm-hmm. you know, and there's an interesting study about them asking, you know, they ask each year, mm-hmm. number of kids, and they've seen the transition that's happened. So when we were kids, the big push was, you know, we all wanted to be doctors, teachers, firemen, nurses, you know, all these things mm-hmm. in the helping professions. Right. Now... Um, Guess what the number one thing is kids want to be when they grow up? God, I'm scared to... (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's not even a profession. Most of them, it's just, I want to be famous. Oh, God, that's the worst. I know when I hate it when I hear... I have... My son is 10. He's like, I want to start a YouTube channel and get followers. And I'm like, but why? He's like, because I could make money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you could make money doing anything. Money is not what it's about. Yeah. My kids said the same things when they were younger. And I said, okay, you want to start a YouTube channel? Mm -hmm. Great, do it. What is it going to be like? How are you going to help people? What's What's the purpose? And they have no idea. No. They have no idea what they want to do with that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. But I want you to think about how you can do that and help people at the same time. Meaningfully, exactly. And if you really want to do it, go do it. Mm -hmm. You know? And again, <laughs> it's much easier to sit and watch someone do something yeah. than going and doing it yourself. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> but those are those are conversations that a lot of kids, I think, don't really get to have with their parents, you know, to have them say, you know, well, what's meaningful about that? Like, mm-hmm. how is that going to touch people's hearts? How is that going to make the world a better place? Yeah. Yeah, it's just do it. You just want to do it, and you want to do it for the wrong reasons. And, I mean... Everybody, I think, not everybody, but I mean, for myself, I've learned firsthand, it's like those things that you are told to strive for, you know, that you're programmed, not told, you're programmed Mm -hmm, to strive mm -hmm. for. It's nice when they're stripped away and you're left going, well, shit, (laughs) that, that's not me. That's, that's not meaningful. That's Mm -hmm. not, yeah, you know, but to be able to pass that knowledge on to your kids too. Mm -hmm. You know, I still think it's important in our culture to support and help others. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's talked about as much as it used to. Mm-hmm. And of course now, it's so, there's so many supposedly you know accessible ways to become famous. Mm-hmm. You know, because all you need is an Instagram or a, <laughs> a YouTube channel, and you could be famous. Yeah. And so they think it's this this easy great thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's interesting. I, I do think a lot of celebrities are wising up to the pain in the ass of being, you know, famous mm-hmm. and all the things you lose because of that and the increased pressure and depression and everything it brings with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think it's the way no. way for kids to go. I don't want to be yeah. super famous, but if I am <laughs> going to be famous, I want it to be with a purpose. Yeah, yeah, there and you go. And you know what? And that's one of the questions I say to myself. It's like, what can I do today um, to live purposefully? Uh-huh. And that's become a big focus in my life. It's like, yeah. don't seek happiness in your life because happiness, I mean, that's relative. Everybody has their own, you know, um, definition of what happiness is. It's like, live purposefully. Mm-hmm. That's what we shall do. Now, you grew up in this, you know, very extended, supportive family. Mm-hmm. Now, were you, am I remembering it right that you were adopted? I was at birth, yes. Okay. Yeah, three days old. So, Tell me about that story. 
Um, so if you don't mind, yeah. Um, adopted at birth. Uh, my aunt picked me up from the hospital. I was adopted out of province. Uh, I was adopted by a Caucasian family, and I am Indigenous and Cree. Um, I was raised in this, you know, primarily white community, so that came with its own set of really fascinating life experiences, challenging life experiences. Um, <clears throat> but it gives you a lot to deal with because I was so loved and I was so, so blessed to have been one of these kids adopted from a reserve life and raised in a life of privilege. Of course, it came with struggles, but it was still privileged because I was loved. I was a part of the 60s scoop, which took place here in Canada, where there were thousands of Indigenous children taken from reserves through coerced adoptions, which is what happened with me. Um, my birth parents were told, like, you have two kids already, you can't support yourself, so give this one up or we're going to take all three and put them into foster care. So it's just, it's devastating. And, you know, my biological mother and her mother, they were both residential school survivors. So, I mean, this was just another so layer of trauma. already had a ton of trauma. Exactly. Yeah. So this is inflicted upon my birth mother, who ends up essentially drinking herself to death, you know, dies, oh succumbs God. to her alcoholism and has all these health conditions and... It just it gave me an opportunity. I was able to speak at a women's event in Shushwap and share the story. And it was like, you know, it's never what you think. Like, there's so much, so much damage that has been done to this culture, to, this, mm. to these people. And to share her story, like, she's passed away now, uh, 10 years ago. And just to be able to shed light that on that, to be able to extract, you know, this goodness that I have, that my children have, my daughters, my sons, they're proud to be Cree. They can tell people, I'm Cree. I mean, they're as white as white can be, but, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what a privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what my ancestors would have prayed for, you know, to have children who would hold their head high and say, I'm Indigenous, my mom's Indigenous. So there's the blessing in that, but it took a lot of time to get to that point and a lot of processing to get there. But, yeah, it was it was a good life, but it came with yeah, many consequences and at the expense of other people. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. yeah. What a, you know, to me, just listen to that story, how hard it would be in my mind to balance that out. Like, you, yes, there's that benefit of, okay, you're in a stable family, lots of love, lots of support. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because there's always that struggle of, okay, who am, who, where am I from? What's my yeah. real Hey, Mom, past? hey, Dad, why do I look like the family dog and I don't look like you guys? Because that's, <laughs> that was when the first conversation came up because I was yeah. like, I have dark hair and brown eyes. So yeah. You guys are all blonde hair, blue eyes. Like, how did that mm -hmm. happen? Yeah. And um, I'm glad that I came into that awareness at that point. You know, thankfully, I had a nice little dog <laughs> <laughs> who gave me that awareness. But um, because it was shortly after that that I began to get bullied and yeah. almost bullied to death. Like mm -hmm. I, I was pushed to the point of suicide. Like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. I just had had enough. It was a lifetime of, why are you playing with her? She's a dirty Indian and yeah. um, being called, you know, a squaw and a chug and all these horrible things. Oh. And there was nobody else who knew my story. Mm -hmm. I was indigenous and I was in this white community and there was one other indigenous person. So there was no no one for me to connect with, yeah. to understand or to talk, you know, so that mm -hmm. was tough. I had a friend growing up who, same thing, 60 scoop, mm -hmm. um, raised by two older white people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, 
a really hardworking kid. Like he was this amazing swimmer at a young age. Mm -hmm. But I just remember, you know, like even as even as his friends, I'm sure we still said things mm -hmm. that were hurtful and cruel. Yeah, because. When, when all the adults are saying it, yeah, it's normalized. <laughs> you don't know. It's normalized behavior. Yeah, there's so many things we say as kids now that you look back and you think about it and you're, you're like, like, oh my, holy God. shit, I was such a racist little kid. Yeah, what a little prick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because you have no idea. Uh, yeah. You know, like, you know, to have, you know, friends from all these cultures now where when I was a kid, the things that I would call them mm -hmm. to their face. Mm -hmm. But you didn't realize how hurtful it was. No. It's just terrible. I know. You know, and, and and that's just because in our, you know, whether it's, you know, you never got called out by a teacher. No. For saying those things. God, no. Nobody. Or your parents or anyone, you know, because that was just okay. It's okay. It's, you know, it's like going back to the 30s and it's like beat up your wife. It's like, oh, I just yeah. beat up my wife. I'm going to go meet the guys for a beer now. You know, like it's just, yeah, yeah it's it's par for the course for the time that we lived in. Yeah. I think everyone thinks we're like, I hear comments, not everyone thinks this, but I hear comments of people think that we've, Oh, we've gone too far in political correctness mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, being these social justice warriors, but mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong with that right now yeah. because we were so far to the other end mm -hmm. that sometimes we have to go extreme to one side, which I still don't think we're all that extreme. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I think we can be. I think that this whole freedom of speech and people being, you know, essentially crucified, losing their jobs for speaking their point of view. I think yeah. we're getting a little extreme there. But yeah, I, like I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eventually, we'll balance it out. It'll just become. We'll I get to a point so. where we're like, oh, we just we we understand now why we don't do that. You know, I, the cancel culture of someone oh, something said something ten years ago, mm -hmm. and now we have to punch them now. Yeah. You know, if they're the same person mm -hmm. and they've still been getting away that no one's done anything, yes, mm -hmm. I can understand that. Mm -hmm. But if someone is like obviously, you know, realizes that was really dumb, mm -hmm. I don't know why, you know, like I was a different person then, because mm -hmm. I do believe people change mm -hmm. and they can become better Absolutely. and they can overcome. Yeah. And that, we're, you know, every five years we're almost a completely different person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's definitely room for that to, mm -hmm. you know, have some, uh, compassion yeah. and understanding when people go through that but i just hope that oh. this next generation is really observing what's happening and they're making sense of it mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. in a way that's going to help us yeah, yeah progress yeah. and it's happening very fast mm -hmm. you know it's hard where to we've top of gone in just a few generations i do think prior you know it was just one thing after another generation after generation of just you know abusing it like on cbc i was listening to is talking about uh um like the Coldale tribe, their Coldale reservation just south of the border in, in the U.S., mm -hmm. like 80% of their land was in the Canada, mm -hmm. and Canada just kind of pushed them across the border. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> and said they all, they're all extinct yeah. in Canada oh my and didn't gosh. give them any land at that time. And, of course, in the U.S., they just got this tiny little par parcel. Mm -hmm. And at one point, this tribe was down to 230 people Yeah, where they had, you know, Tens of thousands. Yeah. It, <sighs> Massacred, disease, and it's like all these things. And we're just like, okay, you know, we're done. We just want this land. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes me think of um, people have said to me, oh, it's really nice that you got a free park pass. And I'm like, 
Okay. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. I was stolen from my mother, but I got yeah. a park pass, so but it's all good. Thanks for letting me visit for free, guys. <laughs> you know, uh, it just kills me. But yeah, it's a similar sort of thing, you know. Yeah. It's just, yeah, colonization. What an awful thing. Yeah. And we're still, the thing is, we still don't understand it. Mm-mm. There's so much about it mm-hmm. that still has not been told. Oh, I know. And we don't understand. And that's the thing. There's so much context that is missing from these stories. It's like you see these pictures and, you know, these artifacts and pieces of clothing displayed. Like even at the Glenville Museum, you know, you have these things displayed and it's like there's no context. It's a picture. It's an item. Mm-hmm. Let's talk yeah. about what happened to these people, what they went through. Yeah. Educate people. So do you get, um, you know... When you hear things said, or you say things on TV, or people make these these side comments that they don't realize how hurtful they are, mm-hmm. how does it make you feel? Did you know? Does it? It, it where does it take you? It's one of those things, and it's like many moments in my life where I just think I I made it a mantra of mine: just think more, feel less. This isn't about how I feel. This is about like what can I think of that I can say to this person that's going to make it make sense. Like if you respond emotionally to what people say, then you don't accomplish anything. It's a, an opportunity for you to teach somebody, you know, hey, like this is actually what happened to this person or my story. Like I can just share my stories. And I mean, people have said something to me like I went to the bank one day and I was uh, cashing a payment that I received for the 60 scoop. And the teller was curious, and she asked me a couple of questions, and I started telling her a few stories, and she was almost in tears. She was like, I can't believe that. And I'm like, I'm one of the good stories. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't take that for granted. I'm blessed. But, you know, when you look at the timeline between the 60s scoop and the missing and murdered Indigenous women, they run parallel to one another. <laughs> we still haven't done anything. Yeah. And how many how many thousands? If those women went missing from Okotoks mm-hmm. or Cochrane, like... Anywhere in Canada, if that many white women disappeared. went missing, yeah. it would be... It would be the top priority yeah. of the nation. It would be the yeah. nation's problem. Yeah. But it's an indigenous problem. Yeah. So. It's so weird, that disconnect, isn't it? Absolutely. I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I talk to my sons about it, mm-hmm. they just, you know, this, this generation, thank goodness, when they hear stories like this, they're just like, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like how like, in In Canada? Yeah. Yes. And it was only 40 years ago or whatever. And they're like, mm-hmm. no way. <laughs> I know. It's shocking. And I mean, <laughs> even when you say that to adults, some adults, yeah, like the bank teller, you know, crying. Yeah. <laughs> it's shocking. Mm-hmm. But it's a dark chapter in our history and it needs yeah. to be talked about. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, whether it's mental health, whether it's what we've, you know, done to our First Nations, it's, you know, the more we talk about it, mm-hmm. the more we as a community, take, you know, our own personal responsibility towards it. Mm -hmm. I think everyone wants to blame all that stuff on, you know, previous generations. Right. And the thing is, is that if we're, you know, if, you know, a parent in your family were doing something about a sibling and you just stood back and did nothing, Mm -hmm. you can't just blame the parent. No. You're not you, that. Yeah. You need to do something about it. And we're blaming our previous generations for all the harmful things they've done to everyone. 
and just like, well, that wasn't me, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, well, that was so long ago. Why are they complaining? Yeah. But like we said, you guys it's, get your university for free and your yeah. dental for free. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> if somebody came into your grandparents' house and took their kids away or even your parents' house and took you away, like yeah. the RCMP were forcibly removing children. Yeah. Like this is, this is 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, this is. 30 years ago, this was happening into the 90s, mm-hmm. like the residential school system. Not to that extreme, but still, you know, and yeah. people just don't understand if they can't put themselves in that position and understand what that was like. Yeah. Well, and still, okay, well, you have this land, mm-hmm. but you don't have any water yeah. that you can drink. Don't drink the water. There's parasites yeah. in it. Yeah. You don't home. have uh, the same accessible health care everyone else in Canada has. Mm-hmm. You don't get the same funding per student. Mm-hmm. You know, the same quality education again and again and again. It's everything. Mm -hmm. And even if we could just, you know, of course, I think the First Nations deserve far more, (laughs) but they're not even getting what everyone else is getting. So you can understand that, you know. And there's still that mentality applied to it that, you know, they're drunks, they're this, they're that. And it's like, okay, well, I get that, but let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah. But why? Yeah do a lot of them turn there because we self-medicate when we have deep trauma exactly whether it's alcohol whether it's drugs whatever it is Mm -hmm. and you know rather than looking at the real issue and addressing it Mm -hmm. and supporting these people we just want to make them addicts and ignore them yeah yeah there's no empathy there and i mean that's that's the most harmful thing that we're experiencing throughout society too is that yes there are people suffering but there's just this empathy or lack of empathy, apathy that mm-hmm. exists. And it's yeah. like, well, it's not my problem. Yeah. You know. Oh. Man, we could talk a whole hour just yeah. on this. <laughs> but I could understand how, you know, just those connections, you know, to get through that, through your life, mm-hmm. that alone is a bit of a trial. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But that's not the only trials you've been through. No. <laughs> Heck no. No, I was here for some like good challenges. And, and I mean, if I was going to get some, you know, WWE like belt, I'd have a room full of them at this point. Yeah. You know, and and I celebrate that now, and I think I've learned to celebrate that um, throughout my life because these are victories. Like these. I don't run. I wish I did. My boyfriend does. He's amazing. But I mean, I'm an athlete when it comes to overcoming challenges. I I have my trophies. I have these really difficult experiences that I've had to get through, like Mm -hmm. this one, Mm -hmm. you know, as a child and deciding that, you know, living my life somewhere was better than dying to this you know, place that I was being raised in this environment with these people and this social aspect that was really smothering me and just destroying me. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage. And I think we need to talk to kids about being courageous Mm -hmm. and being courageous is making a crazy decision. I remember when I told my mom, okay, I'm going to move to Calgary. And she was like, what? Like, why? (laughs) And I'm like, well, because, you know, Uncle Bill said that there was no life for me in BC, and I think he's right. And uh, she was like, okay. And I'm like, I'm going there next week. Could you drive me? And she was like, okay. So going to the city at 18 with a box full of stuff and a suitcase, I mean, that was pretty crazy. But I did it, and I just I followed my heart. You know, I knew I was capable of more. And you have to have that belief in yourself, and thankfully my parents gave me that. And um, But, yeah, it's, it takes courage. 
you you have to know what it's like and you know I look at my oldest son and you know I love him he has a great heart but he hasn't had those same struggles that I had you know kids need to go through these experiences they need to know what it's like to you know have to choose to pay rent over eating mm-hmm. um yeah just these really difficult things they they're character shaping and they do build you up and they do give you strength and when you are you know your own you have to be the hero in your own story you don't see it that way but you know you have to push through and fight through things and Mm -hmm. that's that old school mentality which you can't apply to everybody but i applied it for myself and it worked for me yeah and it's got me through these things yeah it's interesting i always say to my boys and to any any parent that i you know counsel on parenting i always say the same thing that our kids need to fail often and early oh yeah and we're pressured by our you know current society and culture that you're supposed to remove every stumbling block from your children oh my god it's so damaging yeah and solve all their problems and if they get a bad grade you're supposed to call the teacher and harass them like i have a brother that teaches um he's a professor of chemistry at uh, mount royal Mm -hmm. and he says the hardest part of the job is the parents oh i can't and i'm like i understand that in high school and junior high when teachers but in are you telling me that parents are calling you and trying to get a grade up for their kids. He goes, all the time. Oh, my God. And so these helicopter parents <laughs> who flo- flo- you know, float around and you just, whenever there's a bad situation, pull them out and solve mm-hmm. the problem. All it does is teach them that, oh, well, I'm super special. If anything hard happens, someone else is going to solve my problem yeah. and bail me out. Mm-hmm. And, and limit their potential. That's yeah. what you're doing. It's just yeah. it's so damaging. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do really think that when your kid is, again, you know, um, my son and I talk about this a lot about how you have to give yourself that opportunity to make silly choices, Mm -hmm. but to understand, and we have to, we don't have to, I think we, you know, uh, my generation, my parenting was always, no, 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 Mm -hmm. don't do this. You just don't do this. You're a child, so you don't do this. Never... This is why you don't do this. Mm-hmm. And if you do this, these are the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, all right, you feel you're ready to do that. This is what can happen. Mm-hmm. And if you're prepared to deal with those consequences, then great. Yeah. You know, but I'm not going to fix it. Mm-hmm. If you get someone pregnant, I'm not raising your kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but again, you know, going through those things, um, preparing children you know, for that decision-making and going through those things. Mm-hmm. It's some of the best things we can do as parents. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else that you've kind of gone through um, that has kind of challenged your mental health or your experiences? Um, well, there was the death of my brother, um, my younger brother. He died suddenly, just a freak accident, fell 250 feet into a canyon and died. He was 11 months younger than me. And that came as a huge shock and it was shortly after that that I met you because I what happened was my brother fell and I was due to have my sixth child at the time oh. so my brother fell mm-hmm. my daughter was born while my daughter was born I was sitting in the hospital managing all the social media like my brother was just a very loved person and managing the social media updates for my parents and taking care of the GoFundMe page because there was a chance he could live and he would be severely disabled like every bone in his body was broken and um, he ended up dying on Mother's Day so he died three days after my daughter was born 
so that was massive trauma to experience, you know, life and death, you know, just in, in a one week time frame. Mm -hmm. And then adding to that, um, less than 12 weeks later, I relocated. My ex-husband was transferred to Calgary and he had a new job. So we moved to Okotoks, left our community, left everyone. So it was a point in my life where I was given so much, you know, I had my children, I have six healthy children, um, had a great relationship at that time. And my brother's gone. My parents are shattered. It's their only son. They're devastated. They're heartbroken. They're grief stricken beyond belief. Like I never want to know what that's like. You know, I've observed it twice with my mom and my dad and my aunt losing a child. It's devastating. But to experience that, be uprooted, come here. I had three major life experiences and I don't know exactly what the number is of how many life experiences, major life experiences that people have, mm -hmm. but to have three of them in 12 yeah. weeks, like I just felt like a voodoo doll that somebody had just ripped apart and kind of thrown <laughs> everywhere. And yeah, that was when I met you. And, um, I was just, I was broken. Like I was just in pieces. My hair was falling out. I was 50 pounds overweight. I couldn't sleep. I had acne everywhere. I was just absolute rock bottom. I didn't even know where to start. Like my piles were just so immense. And I knew, I knew what I could do, but none of those things seemed like enough. And I, what I needed to do, I, I needed to learn how to grieve. And when I did your course, the five elements, letting go, like that prepared me, like what I thought was, you know, my biggest, would be my biggest life challenge at that point in terms of love and loss and heartbreak you know, that was just, that was just the primer mm -hmm. of things to come. Yeah. So I was, you know, I look back on that and, you know, I'm so grateful that, you know, learning what I did, you know, I learned about Qigong and, you know, you'd recommended all these authors to the class and I was given all these resources to kind of throw in my toolbox to keep with me as I moved along. But I just, I, I was at a point where I just didn't know where to start and nothing else that I had done in the past was good enough because, you know, this was three landmines that I'd stepped mm -hmm. on and I did not know where to start, but learning how to grieve is really important. And I think that's uh, I think that's a big thing that a lot of people are struggling with and they don't even realize it is grief. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think that people look at grief as being anything more than, you know, losing a loved one. Like it's so much more, mm -hmm. you know, you relocate, you grieve, yeah. you, you have a child, you grieve. There's there's a lifestyle that's gone. Um, I mean, everybody grieves, but we don't label it as grief. Yeah. You know, we look at seniors who lose their license. I saw my uncle grieve the loss of his independence. Yeah. You know, and grief is such a big thing, and I think that's where a lot of people really get tangled up in their emotions because it is immense to grieve. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how. Yeah, like that. The cause of grief is always, you know, it's either if it's with someone it's abandonment mm -hmm. or loss mm -hmm. any loss like you said you know we 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 lost the things that we have we lost the things that we hoped we would receive mm -hmm. all of, we there's so much to it we lost so many the things levels that we thought that we were yeah our identity is wrapped up in these things and that's yeah. a very that's a very dangerous place to be exactly too many of us you know, let our, all these external things define who we are rather than... The real power that yeah. sits within. Yeah. 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 And then when those things are 
um, challenged or we lose them, mm -hmm. we lose ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Like being a being a middle class, upper middle class uh, housewife with six kids. Yeah. And all of a sudden my relationship of almost twenty years is gone. Mm -hmm. And I'm a single parent, you know, um, tragic circumstances. And I had no idea where I was going to start, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when that happened, because that was just a few years later. That was three years later after all those experiences. Mm -hmm. Then along comes this and it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where do I start with this one? But at least I had began to assemble, consciously choose to assemble those pieces within that toolbox to carry along with me. Mm. And um, I think I had done such a good job through, you know, looking out for resources and people, surrounding myself with people and and sharing my story, you mm -hmm. know? Like, where are you from? Like, what brought you here? My brother died. <laughs> my brother died and my husband was sent here. And it's like just being able to be vulnerable, like teaching myself to just share. Mm. because some people will run away when they hear your stories, Yeah. but the right people stay put and they want to mm -hmm. learn more. Mm -hmm. And that's an opportunity to grow for you, for them, for everyone, yeah. you know, to, to care for each other, that interconnectedness, like that is essential yeah. to who we are and how we grow. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, so you're, you know, three years after, giving birth mm -hmm. to your last child mm -hmm. right and you know uh, your brother passed away oh now. i had a miscarriage too yeah yeah i had a miscarriage that was awful you yeah. went through that with me mm -hmm. and again i was grieving and i yeah. i learned and i learned you know how to approach that grief in a very methodical fashion it was like okay like i gotta surrender this i don't know why i don't need to know anything i don't need to understand anything I can believe in what I believe in. And that's what I said. I had a conversation with God. I was just like, you know, I don't know why, but I know where. And I know that that soul has gone on to a better place. Mm -hmm. And that that's going to give me enough peace. That gives me peace. Mm -hmm. I don't need happiness. I need peace. Yeah. And I, yeah. So that's how I got through that. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the end of the marriage came. <laughs> so it was just like, okay, what's yeah. next? Did, did you want to go into any detail about that? Um, the marriage? Yeah, or just how that progressed. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a journey. And at the at the end of it, it's like, you know, when I look back on it, really it boils down to the fact that, you know, I knew it wasn't 100% right, you know, but there were things that I wanted. Like, I did want that status. I did want, you know, to be that housewife. I did want to have the nice car and the nice handbags and all these things and like I was trying to prove something but what like I mean I don't even really know at this point but having all those things taken away you know when my my ex came out as being transgendered you know it was it was painful because we had kind of been down that road and you know I I knew like I say that something wasn't 100% right mm -hmm. but you know denial is a nice companion to have sometimes mm -hmm. but in that you know, choosing to live with that, um, I don't know what I would call it, compromising, compromising on what I really deserved, yeah. compromising on what my true worth was and my value, you know, being, being or allowing myself to be led in the direction of life that wasn't really authentic to who I was, you know, 
I had to pay the consequences for doing those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew that. It's like, okay, like I'm responsible for this. Yeah. Where do I start? <clears throat> I don't know, because it, it took me back. It was like, <laughs> it, was a, it felt like a betrayal. Yeah. And when I realized that that betrayal, that wasn't him, that betrayal was mine. Like accepting responsibility for the part that I played in that really opened the door to my healing because I, I really knew it was like my pain had kind of pushed me through living this life that wasn't true to who I was and it wasn't true to who he was, but it was leading me in the direction where I would come to know myself so much more deeply, so much more meaningfully. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that suffering yeah. in the same way that I did all the others. So One thing, though, I do want to say about that is the way you approached it and dealt with it all was very inspiring. Thank you. Because I, <laughs> I don't know how many other women <laughs> who, you know, dealing with this where you know something, you know, your spouse of how many years? Almost 20. Yeah, yeah. 20 years. You think everything's perfect. You've got everything you want and, you know, that everything you think you need to, to be this perfect mom and wife Mm -hmm. and uh but then you start to notice that he's not happy Mm -hmm. there's some something there that you know and i was so impressed with how you approached it yeah i remember talking to you i was like i think he's gay and you were like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i knew that there was something something yeah there was something more and it was obvious to everyone yeah and it's something that when we come to that you can't, you can't be the person to say, "Hey, um, you're this. You need to do this." Yeah. They have to get to that place on their own. Mm-hmm. But I was super impressed that you know, um, one, you're like, "Hey, I think there's something there." You know, um, hey, I'm, I'm trying pull, to help him. I'm gonna pull the pin on my own grenade. Yeah, like, but you were like, was. you know, if this is the case, then I and him, you know, like. We need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So you gave him plenty of opportunity and an openness to discover that mm-hmm. and try to find out if that's who he was. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, even when he would come in and work with me, he wasn't really even sure where it was yet, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, you creating that space and trust and openness mm-hmm. led him to, you know, find out who he was. Mm-hmm. Um it was like you said. You pulled the pin on your own grenade. Yeah, I mean that's a and, wild and way to start to a party, it. but you know I did it. <laughs> so, and because I mean, really, like what what more are we here for in this life than to love one another? Mm-hmm. And I mean that's the greatest act of love. And no matter, you know how many how many challenges or how many you know hurtful words that were said like at the end of the day i can go back to the beginning and know that i was motivated by love for Mm -hmm. another person Mm -hmm. and while you know i recognize that in my experience my my love for him was conditional you know i wanted a man i wanted a husband i wanted a father for my children a male father and i wanted these things but yeah it was conditional that's not fair that's not that's not real love mm-hmm. you know there's that's not selfless that's not anything and the most selfless loving thing to do is to to say like you know what like this isn't this isn't you like who mm-hmm. are you like who do you want to be yeah you know it in loving people 
the people that you choose to love in your life, like you want to see them achieve their potential. And if that means it's going to hurt you, you got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember you're, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong at this point, you know, you're, you're giving him that opportunity to explore and to figure out who he is mm-hmm. and where he's going with it. And, um, you know, I do even think there was a time when you were like, okay, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Can we make this work? How can we make this work? Can we make this happen? Uh, it's like, how and, much more do I have to compromise? Yeah. And I think you're, you know, you, you're trying to, you know, uh, be this like completely enlightened being and just accept everything and, mm-hmm. you know, put every, put At him first cost. and everything. But yeah. And yeah. to, I was proud of you to being honest with yourself. Like there's some people out there and, and it's tough when you see these stories of people who, you know, their spouse, um, like I know, uh, you know, another, uh, a couple who, um, you know, uh, you know, she left her previous marriage when she fell in love with this woman, left her husband, they've been together, this great relationship, and then, you know, her wife eventually says, but you know, I've always wanted to be a man. Mm-hmm. And, but she loves her, mm-hmm. and she's already, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she, she left that previous marriage because she was in love with that individual, mm-hmm. and she didn't care mm-hmm. what it was. But to be honest with yourself and realize, no, I know, like, I'm not there. I can't do that for me. Mm-hmm. I know what I need. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what my kids need. And, and having, you know, having the courage to say, you know what, I've honored this piece of my journey with this person. Yeah. And it's time for me to step back. What did you do to maintain sanity <laughs> through all of this? Like, this is a lot within a matter of less than five years. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I read a lot. I read a lot more. <laughs> I listened to a lot of different podcasts and, you know, this motivational stuff. While, you know, so many people will say that it's cheesy and it's, you know, whatever. There's so much garbage out there and there are a lot of terrible quotes out there. But when you're seeking something from a very specific group of, you know, philosophers or psychologists, like really, you know, people with credibility, um, there's a lot of stuff out there that can become your medicine. And it became my medicine, mm-hmm. you know, seeking out these these people and listening to these speakers. And there's it's always one person leads you to another. And you eventually find the right message and you just kind of you listen, you dial into that and it becomes your it becomes your faith. You know, faith doesn't have to be sitting in a church pew. Faith doesn't have to be, you know, any anything. It's not defined. Like I think that that spiritual experience it's it's defined by you and god and god tells you what you need you know god or the divine or the universe i mean i use all these terms interchangeably because i don't feel the same way about it all the time it's just it's a energy and i had to trust in that energy you know i had to have faith i had to have hope and i am i am catholic i was baptized catholic i don't go to church i'm not practicing i mean i've made the journey to rome i've seen the pope but um, I learned a lot about my values through the church, but as an indigenous woman, I always felt like nature was my altar mm-hmm. and nature was the altar that called to me endlessly. I mean, within the first two weeks of, you know, deciding like the marriage is done, it was like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Where do I start? <laughs> 
you know, and I started journaling, like journaling is a very powerful tool. Um, I heard you say that, you know, it helps you get those thoughts out of your head and they no longer control you. And that's absolutely true. And journaling and writing down these, you know, valuable uh, quotes that, you know, dictated the outcome of my day or my week or my month, or even to this day, like there's so many quotes that I just live by, you know, they Mm -hmm. become your Bible. Yeah. So that kind of thing is really what directed my experience. And I mean, if you're in a really, you know, bad frame of mind and you're consumed by your emotions, like there will always be endless negative content out there to make you feel bad. Mm -hmm. Like your algorithms are feeding off that stuff. Like say one thing, like it'll hear you. But if you're seeking positivity and you're bringing positivity to others, I mean, it all boils down to the fact that technology is a useful servant and an evil master. Yeah. And when you really think about it and you, you speak consciously, you live very consciously and you're very aware of, you know, what vibration you're putting out there, it's always going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. So I tried to live in that flow yeah. and really be aware of the energy I was putting out, even the things that you think, the things that your heart feels, like that energy that you're emitting out. I mean, it's a magnet too. So just became very conscious and very mindful of how I was living my life and what thoughts I was having, even towards my my ex. It was like, oh, like I'm feeling really ugly about the situation right now, but I'm just going to wish for happiness for this person mm-hmm. at, at, at all costs. You know, like I want them to be happy, even if it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Let them be happy because that's going to bring happiness to my doorstep. Sounds like you've created quite the profound religion for yourself. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and yeah, my, my nature altar yeah. is really there. And, you know, I've had the most profound spiritual encounters because, I mean, watch what you say and watch what you ask for. I mean, I've learned that in many different aspects of my life, but, you know, I started hiking by myself. It was like, all right, let's get rid of these fears because I no longer wanted to be afraid. And um, going out hiking, you know, walking up the side of a mountain all by myself. And it's like, all right, you know, like God, like show me the way, you know, like lay out the breadcrumbs and show me what's next. Like, (laughs) what are you going to give me to take me to the next level? And that's the thing. It's always wanting to move to that next level and being like, you know, a visual person picturing what that next level is going to be like for you. Um, Like rock bottom is the best place to start visualizing this amazing new life that you're going to have. And that's what I did. But it was like, you know, I can't do it on my own. Like what divine force is going to help me get there? God. Mm -hmm. So yeah, God, show me what, what the next steps are. Hike up the mountain, sitting at the top of the mountain, having this beautiful lunch all by myself. And then I'm coming down the mountain and I encounter a cougar <laughs> and I'm all by myself. And that's terrifying. Oh, and I had um, my big drum. I had made a drum for myself out of rawhide. And I had a drum on my back because I just wanted to play it and just get some stuff out at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And I'm beating that drum running down the hill. Like my toenails, I think I lost a few of them when I got oh, to the geez. bottom. It was terrifying. Yeah. But I thought I was going to die. I was expecting a mountain lion to like jump through the grass and eat me. Like I was Mm -hmm. alone, no cell phone reception, nothing. And um, I got to my car and I was just like, oh my God. And I locked the door, like as if the cougar is going to walk up and like open my door handle. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I stopped and I was like, I laughed. And I was like, I'm alive. I am so happy to be alive. I have no reason to be happy to be alive except I'm alive. Yeah. And it was like, okay, God, like, I get it. Thank you. 
that was quite the lesson. Yeah. So, yeah, watch what you ask for because <laughs> I think God has a really great sense of humor because there are just things that he'll bring to you. And if you have, you have to have the mindset to see the beauty in these things, you know, almost being eaten alive. I mean, they would have mm-hmm. found my, you know, chewed up skeleton months later if I was lucky. But, you know, you could focus on the bad stuff where it's like, oh, my God, like I'm alive. This mm-hmm. is amazing, you know, and seeing the beauty in things and connecting the dots and realizing, hey, I asked for this. This is not what I expected, but this is what I got because look at the outcome Mm -hmm. and being able to appreciate those things. Like you really have to train yourself to have the eyes to see and you have to be very consciously aware of the narrative that is in your head that is telling the story of your life. Like you could tell your story in any different way. Oh my God, I almost died. Nobody would have known. No, like I lived and Mm -hmm. I was happy. So, Yeah. It's just one of many things, <laughs> but yeah, listening, listening to your heart and yeah, becoming, becoming attuned to that power, how powerful you are. We are all that powerful, mm-hmm. you know, like when your intention is to accomplish this thing, it's like, look out. And when you trust in, you know, the, the ancestral wisdom that is around you, like when you become aware of that, mm-hmm. I mean, you're unstoppable and that's that's the beauty of going through these experiences where you suffer so profoundly there is always gold that comes out like it's up to you like i mean you have to be the alchemist you have to take that pain and you have to make it into gold Mm -hmm. it's all in how you see it and the stories that you tell yourself throughout that experience yeah one of of my favorite quotes i have right on my hand here i don't know if you can't you can't read it anymore very well but it's like, you know, an alchemist is one who turns everything into love. Mm-hmm. And so you take all that crap, yeah. all those challenges, yeah. all that difficulties, and you let it transform you mm-hmm. into a thing of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was challenging. That was difficult. That was no fun. But how can I learn from that? How can that transform me so that I can take that, you know, transform that negative into love and healing for others mm-hmm. and for myself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty neat. You know, I, I really do think there's that, you know, um, you know, the, the limiting ideas in some faiths that, you know, uh, you have to supplicate to this being and they're the ones that only have, that have the power. Yeah. Whereas um, with a lot of more indigenous faiths, it's you are the god mm-hmm. you know you are a part of this of this intricate system of yeah. divinity yeah and that you have because you're a part of it and it is part of you you have right to the the guidance and the energy and the power mm-hmm. that it holds mm-hmm. because you're a part of it and when we slow down and listen and connect mm-hmm then we receive those messages. And then they come fast and furious, like your intuition gets sharp, your dreams get vivid. Like you just have that sense of knowing for things that will blow your mind. You know, you're told to go somewhere, you walk in and, you know, there's a person that you know you needed to see, Mm -hmm. you know, and 
And he has an incredible <laughs> Irish accent. He does. And you're like, where have you been in life? <laughs> that's so true because that's another thing. It was like, you know, I didn't want to be there. I didn't. I was happy to be single. Life was good. And, yeah. you know, but I was at that place where I was love. I had connected so deeply to love and to myself. And I mean, it all boils down to love. It's like, I think that was that was the message. And it's been misinterpreted in so many different ways. It's like. Jesus wouldn't show up here and be like, you know, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to yeah. hell for this, that, or the other thing. It's like, are you coming from a place of love? Are you coming from a place of goodness? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Okay. Like, I don't think Jesus has a thousand different boxes that he needs to check on his list of, you know, his criteria for going to heaven. It's like, it's about love. That's what oh, we're here yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think there's, um, again, the, I had a really, you, you listened to the one podcast with Tim. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Again, you know, myself, like I, again, I often refer to myself as an atheist, but mm -hmm. I don't think that's the proper term. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't believe in a supreme being. Right. I believe in this interconnectedness, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the same things that people of faith believe in. Mm -hmm. I just don't think there's, you know, you know, one big guy with white hair telling us no. all what to do. And I respect that people have that need, and I, I recognize that, you know, we have all these different people, different souls that are here to obtain a different level of consciousness, and where they're at, I'm not at, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like, I needed I needed to be spoon-fed Catholicism for, you know, several years, and that, that was meaningful to me, and that, mm -hmm. was, that was a part of the plan, but I didn't need to do that long-term. Like, it led yeah. me, it ultimately led me to my native spirituality, indigenous spirituality, mm -hmm. which is something I'm just learning about. But I mean, I, I always knew I was always that person. And I think being adopted into the family that I was adopted into, that was kept in me by them. And it's a part of the bigger plan. Mm -hmm. And it's always a part of the bigger plan. And you have to be, you know, open to the bigger plan yeah. and how it's unfolding. Like mm -hmm. it's never going to unfold the way that you thought. But when you have the eyes to see and you can look back and you can connect all these dots, like... Thank God my parents were outdoorsy. Thank God they own a canvas tent. Thank God mm -hmm. that I grew up in the mountains. Yeah. That, you know, like all these things, it all it all adds up, yeah. you know, not in the way you think, but mm -hmm. yeah. You know, one thing I was so impressed with, with you going through all of these things is that, you know, you handled, you know, your separation and divorce so well, you know, quite early on, you were already, you know, referring to your ex as her mm -hmm. and her name and mm -hmm. you know you did so much I tried so <laughs> when hard. when there were times where really you know many people would have said you're entitled to just walk away and stop helping him yeah and because he's putting you in the in a tough position at times absolutely but you where's the humanity in that though i know i was you so know. impressed yeah and just to continue to love and support in that way and you know and then through all of that you know, you you didn't, like, throw up your hands and say, I'm the martyr. No. Look at all these terrible things happen to me. How unappealing I is want that? attention. You just continue to move forward. Like, how can I heal me? Mm -hmm. How can I better me? How mm -hmm. can I work on me, take care of my kids, support all of us? And you're not going to benefit yourself by, you know, 
um, participating in victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And I tell my kids that all the time. It's like, oh, that sounds like victim mentality. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that's that's a, a ticket to nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it hasn't always been easy. And, you know, there have been endless challenges with my ex. And I'm here. I always like to think about, you know, what are the big lessons that I'm here to learn in this life? And it's like, I'm here to learn about forgiveness and probably patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's just you always have to find it in yourself to forgive because, again, it's just that energetic principle and that forgiveness is going to come to you, mm-hmm. you know, for a wrong that you may have done or not even know that you've done or may do in the future, yeah. you know. So believing in that constant flow of energy and, yeah, that interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's a message that, you know, I have to share and I hope that it's meaningful, you know, and, you know, maybe help somebody else out who's in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to understand everything. Yeah. We don't. It's not. And I learned that, you know, like I said, through the miscarriage and and all of these different experiences, we don't need to understand. Like, we just need to be present. We just need to be loving. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, with that point of view and being prepared in that way, you know, working on yourself, being in the moment, all of that, you know, it does put you in a position to, you know, when you let go of all that victim victimization and, you know, all the those difficulties and be in that moment, you make that space to mm-hmm. receive. Absolutely. And, and be prepared for things to fall into your lap. Yeah, because like, you had pretty fantastic guy fall into your lap. Yeah. God, I did. He's, he's amazing, and he's going to love to hear this, and I tell him this all the time. He's wonderful. And, um, yeah, it was like, you know, being being single, and it, it was just, it's a horrible time for an old-school romantic to be single in this day and age mm-hmm. with this dating scene and it being as transactional it was, as it was, is. Um, and I checked out from it because I just, I couldn't handle it. It was too mm-hmm. much. It's just so draining. And, yeah. um, yeah, it was like, okay, you know what? Like I'm better than this and I'm going to meet somebody organically. And I decided exactly what I wanted, but you know, and just put it out there mm-hmm. and like anything that you put out there, if it comes from a good place, if your intention is pure, I mean, it's going to come to you. Yeah. And it came to me when I least expected it. And that's the way that life works. And yeah. you have to have that openness. And I mean, you know, there were some really tough times uh, financially, like after the separation happened. And it's like, how am I going to feed my kids? Like, how is how am I going to make the mortgage payment? I remember the one day I was, I don't want to ever be that victim. So, I, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I suffered through on my own. But it was like, you have to tell yourself there's so many days. I mean, even to this day, it's like, you know, where you walk through your day and you're like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Cause like you have to have a pep rally for yourself. You have to know that that's, that's how people get through these things. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And this one particular day I was like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <sighs> my mortgage payment is due today. I didn't get that thousand dollars I was expecting. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay. And I went to the mailbox and I opened my mailbox and I opened up a letter that I wasn't expecting from a family friend. And there was a thousand dollar draft in it. (laughs) And I burst into tears and I was like, you know, God, thank you. Like, thank you. Thank you. Like, thank you for making me who I am. Thank you for making these people who they are in my life. Thank you for 
for just hearing me, <laughs> you know, like he, he's there, that energy is there, that, that interconnectedness, all that stuff, it's all so real and your mind is a magnet and yeah, do good and good will come to you. It always does. Like, and I know that there are people who, you know, will be faced with a challenge and they're like, but I'm a good person. Why is this shitty thing happening to me? And I'm like, it's for your benefit. Mm -hmm. You just can't see it that way. Yeah. And you have to plug through it and know that the good will come. It always comes. Like it's never stopped. It becomes more and more. The more you do, listen to those internal prompts, make a donation, buy a homeless guy lunch, whatever it is that your heart tells you to do, you do that. Like you are handsomely rewarded mm -hmm. in this life. Yeah. I think too often we're so caught up in our own struggles mm -hmm. that we're not... Um, our heart's not open and our eyes aren't open to the struggles of others around us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like planned um, giving and planned service and mm -hmm. all this stuff. It's not the same. Mm -hmm. And we miss a lot of those opportunities because we're, our heart's not open and we're not listening and looking with our eyes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's just a, a smile or listening for a while. A smile or, can save somebody's life. Yeah. And you knew how valuable that yeah. was. Or picking up on you know, a text and you're like, what does that really mean what they just said? Mm -hmm. And then follow up a little bit. And mm -hmm. What can I do to help? Mm -hmm. All of those things, whether this family member is just like, she's struggling, she needs a little help. You know, all those things that are around us and there's so many opportunities for us to change people's lives, mm -hmm. but we don't think it means anything or we're so caught up in our own, we don't see that need yeah and well that's you know you have to think you have to have the mind that thinks like what what can i do today like what can i do to serve humanity mm -hmm. and i mean not to make yourself sound like a superhero but you have to be so so vague so broad in that statement because you have no idea what you're going to be called to do mm -hmm. you know like i i have a friend whose husband woke up one day five o'clock in the morning and he's like i need to go for a run never runs at five o'clock in the morning, never goes to this place. But like these people are very spiritual. They're very awake. They're very open and they're very loving. And he got up and he went for his run at five o'clock in the morning. And he found somebody overdosing on a bench on a path that he never runs on. And oh he was goodness. able to yeah. save her by mm -hmm. just showing up there. Yeah, You know, that kind of openness, like being open and having that desire to serve others like you never know where it's going to take you mm -hmm. and what it's going to bring to you yeah. and it's like what can i do to serve humanity because humanity will always serve you yeah you know like yeah. not what's in it for me like what's in it for us mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. you truly believe in that interconnected yeah experience yeah so reminds me of again you know the the last few things we talk about in the course at the end where we talk about what I jokingly call the steps to enlightenment, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> where we need to give up competition and judgment, mm -hmm. and we need to embrace service and gratitude. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, that's that's like heaven on earth now. Yeah, that's enlightenment now. You're so present. You're so just rained down on with joy when you sit in that gratitude space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I try to celebrate that you know, three times a day, call that divine, call it whatever, you know, what three things am I most grateful for? And it's like, you know, it could be simple things. It could be your health. It could be your warm blanket. It could be anything. Whatever comes to mind, just be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll have more to be grateful for. Yeah. Like, I just truly believe, like, we, it's not our minds are like magnets. Our souls, our spirits, like, they are magnets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Put out, get back. 
Yeah. It's constant flow. It's interesting, you know, as we've gone through this conversation, you know, you can see that, you know, all like you've probably gone through more than most people, <laughs> multiple lifetimes of, of struggle and trauma. Yeah. But what I've been impressed is throughout your story, you kind of explained all these steps and things that you've learned along the way that you've applied to create, you know, a system, tools, all this to help you uh, thrive, not just cope, not just, thrive. you know, survive, but to thrive in your life, mm-hmm. to use that, um, you know, that difficulty and trauma to strengthen your faith mm-hmm. and to, uh, you know, give you that, that, that the tools to really live in the moment and, mm-hmm. and take advantage. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, okay, uh, you've had all these difficult things, but you're in this, you know, you kind of where you want to be right now, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm living a passionate, <laughs> joyful life. And you can't live that that passionately where, I mean, your food tastes better. Your kisses are sweeter. Like, your hugs are warmer. <laughs> like, everything, the sun is brighter. Like, you just, you're you're at such a different place. But, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's embracing the the fact, the idea, you know, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. Mm-hmm. And celebrating that, celebrating it all. Yeah. You, there's no good, there is no bad. It's just experience that's necessary to take you to that highest level of consciousness and that highest space of love in your life. Yeah. I love that because it really fits in with, you know, that, that concept where I, we talk about you know, we need to find our Tao, our way, mm-hmm. our path. And it's going to be a, you know, there's no f- perfect formula for everyone. You know, some people think, oh, this is the perfect religion. This is the perfect path or this is the, the mm-hmm. perfect program. But it's nothing like that. It's it's adopting and finding the things that work for you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, practicing those things, tweaking them, working on it to find those things that help you get in the moment and find peace on your own. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a little different from everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. But you've yeah. worked really hard to kind of craft this beautiful, yeah. you know, philosophy and, and kind of uh, faith that's really I mean, worked for you. And then, but you can't, you have to, you have to be responsible enough to take what you've learned and what you've experienced. And it's your obligation. It's your duty to share it with as many people as possible, mm-hmm. you know, to inspire them to find their own path, yeah. to, to be able to, you know, craft what their, their life is going to be like, what they, what their vision is, mm-hmm. you know, like we're all visionaries. We're all powerful. You know, like people will hear stories about a psychic and be like, Oh, I wish I could see in the future. I'm like, but you can, mm-hmm. like, we all can, we all have the minds that are able to do these you know, exceptional things, but what do you, what do you give power to in your day? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. just reminding people how powerful they are. Yeah. And I think that goes to, you know, the, the difficulty we're having in our culture right now is, you know, we're putting way too much thought and talk and focus on the things we don't like rather than on the things we do like. Yeah, and guess what? If you focus on the things you don't like, you're going to attract more of the things you don't yeah. like. Yeah. So, Because like, particularly when we're like, oh, I don't like what they're doing or mm-hmm. what they're saying or what they believe in. Mm-hmm. Well, you fighting against them only reinforces yeah. that behavior yeah. and vice versa. 
And, you, and have, you limit yourself. You don't. Yeah. You don't actually develop that idea of what you like and what you stand for. Yeah. You don't know what's important to you anymore because mm-hmm. now you're just about all the things you can't do or you don't like. And that's okay to do when you're a child. <laughs> yeah. When you're a child, you know that's how kids figure out who they are. They define themselves by everything that they're not. Yeah. But there comes a point where it's got to switch, and you have to use that as a way to navigate deeper into yourself and figure out mm-hmm. who you are. Wow. Yeah. So that's really beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> finding that, you know, finding what really brings you joy Absolutely. And, and, and peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then make it your life. And I, I think too, it's part of that, you know, some of us, uh, we're afraid to take that step because we cling to these things we were taught as children mm-hmm. or, you know, that's the thing that makes me safe. But even if it's not serving you in the way it needs to, you still grasp to it. Mm-hmm. But just giving people that that confidence and courage to take that step in that direction of what works for you mm-hmm. and what really can bring you peace. Figure out who you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so many people, I'm reading The Untethered Soul right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the question, who are you? Tell me who you are. Yeah. And the woman's describing who she is and like what life experiences she's had and they're like, okay, well, that's nice that you did that when you were 10 and that, you know, you've had these experiences, but I asked you who you are. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, how would I answer that? Mm-hmm. But that's that's what we're here for is to ask or answer those questions to ourselves. Yeah. Figure those things out. Yeah. You know, I heard something recently from uh, Mel Robbins. Mm, I love her. Um, and she was saying how too many people talk about passion. Mm-hmm. Finding your passion. Mm-hmm. But that's so hard to define, so hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't use the word passion. She talks about where where do you have, what gives you energy? You know, like what gives you that desire to just, you know, where you you stop, you don't think about eating, you don't think about, you know, anything else. You just, that one thing that could get you up at 5 a.m. any day, mm-hmm. you know, that thing that, Gives you that ability to just, you know, um, spend hours on it without thinking about anything else. Mm-hmm. What are those things that give us energy? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that uh, are what we would define as a passion, mm-hmm. you know, where, where we kind of limit our thoughts when we don't understand what true passion is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what brings you that energy and peace and whatever it might be, the smallest way and use that and to it's like guide you. Your sufferings, your sufferings are directing you towards that, you know, because you have to find a way to balance out the, you know, the highs and lows of your experiences. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when when my heart was broken and I cried out to the world like, I why me? <laughs> you know, it there was no answers, like I didn't have the answers at that point, but what called back to me was nature. Mm-hmm. And so I hopped on a plane and I went to Las Vegas and I drove to the Grand Canyon and watched the sunrise (laughs) (laughs) and took the most amazing photos of my life with my camera that I had just bought for myself. And that was my, that was, yeah, part of my therapy Mm -hmm. was discovering that, that talent and that talent led to, you know, me being able to support myself through this challenging time. And it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, seeing, I wouldn't have made that connection yeah. Had I not suffered, had I not opened myself up, if I had not just done something spontaneous and crazy and drove drove to Horseshoe Bend in Arizona for a 5 a.m. sunrise. Yeah. 
you know. That's a beautiful place. Oh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like that connected me to my to my gift. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh. I knew there. this was going to be fascinating. That was <laughs> good. Yeah. Thank yep. you so much. No, uh, we could probably you. talk for another 40 minutes, but um, uh, <laughs> you, have, you have six kids to get home to. <laughs> yeah. So I won't keep you too much later. I, you know, again, this is, uh, I, I'm always fascinating with what we all do, what everyone does personally to get themselves through. And, uh, you know, yours has been just a fantastic story. This kind of, you know, weaving that um that life that you needed mm -hmm. for you to you know get through everything but uh you know it's almost like you know it, it may have taken all this time but you have this beautiful little um you know faith and and plan mm -hmm. that helps you through and i think it's really beautiful thank you thank you yeah. for having me now it's yeah. been great and i love sharing stories so. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll definitely put your information uh at the end of the podcast here in the in the notes because um uh you know if you're looking for someone who's going to give you a little bit of inspiration and some cool ideas whether it's your pictures or the things you, you post and share you know we're on that stuff might as well be following some really fascinating people absolutely and i think you're one of them thank you all right thank you for having me here. thank you for your time everyone this has been a lot of fun um you know if you think you can uh this can help someone and uh, uh heal then definitely share this with them because i i think this can help a lot of people awesome. thank you so much thank you <laughs> have a great night everybody all right wasn't that a, just a, a lot of fun to meet Star and kind of go through her experience and story? Um, you know, there's one thing that just blows me away with these podcasts and, you know, especially, you know, uh, for the last, what, 15 some years working with patients and just the incredible stories and trauma and difficulties people have been through. But yet, how resilient we are, how strong we are, and how we can overcome so much. And Star has done, you know, all of that. There's very few things she's not encountered already in her life. And she's done it with grace and dignity and hard work and perseverance and just tremendous faith in herself and in the greater picture and how it's going to carry her through. And what a wonderful... Uh, story for her to share with us. I'm so grateful to have her in and to learn from her. And, you know, this, uh, again, the, the purpose of this podcast is to show everyone that we all struggle, that we all have difficulties with our mental health and challenges in our life, and that we all need to find that particular path for us to find that peace and find our power. And she's done a tremendous job of that and kind of given us a nice outline on how to follow that and find our path. You know, one of the things we talk about in the five elements letting go right off the bat is finding our Tao, our way, our path, and how we find it and the steps we can take to find that peace for ourselves. And it's about finding our particular path and not trying to, you know, shoehorn us into this generic path that everyone thinks is the right one when there's hundreds of them that they think are the right one, there is no perfect path, and it's finding that one that works best for us to find our peace. And she definitely has, and she's been a tremendous example of it. Um, you know, it, I'm just, 
again, blown away by these fantastic people and um, just particularly, you know, uh, the women we've had on this podcast are truly inspirational. Thank you, Star, um, for sharing with us um, all that you've been through and uh, such an incredible story. And, uh, you know, I hope we can all take from this experience and this story to find our own path and to, you know, as she has been able to create, you know, a faith and an understanding for her that brings her great peace and power. Um, I think we can all do that and uh, hopefully can follow her example. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Um, we've got some great guests uh, coming up here. Um, Tanya Ryan, uh, Madison Krebs, uh, two other great friends of mine. Um, we're really hitting local real people and having a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, it just shows the tremendous resilience in our community and the fantastic people around us. And, you know, one thing I do hope this, uh, you know, kind of adds to the, the patience and understanding support our community has for mental health. Thank you for joining us again. If you want to learn more about STAR, her um, photography uh, Instagram will be included in the notes as well as her personal Instagram. And um, if you want to learn more about the five elements of Lenigo, all that information will be down there. There's a few parts of the course that are free. When you sign up, you can uh, check out the free stuff and even the uh, five element personality quiz test. And again, if you want to be guided through the course or uh, anything else, whether it's some acupuncture or coaching, again, you go to jaredmccollum.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I really enjoy this, and it's been just this, you know, uh, a lovely way for me to turn a, a hobby and a love into something that can benefit our community. And, um, w you know, whether you're in Okotoks, Canada, or you're in the United States or Europe or uh, anywhere else across the planet, um, you know, these uh, experiences and lessons about mental health can help us all. Thank you again. Have a lovely day. And again, show compassion with yourself and show compassion with your community. Thanks, everyone.